0: Welcome, everyone, to the fifth installment of the Mentality Monsters podcast. We're back. And we're jumping right into the burning questions uh, prevalent to this time of year. Fedja, what are your top three Halloween candies? Give me three through
1: one. Three through one. All right. I'm going to go really controversial right at number three. Candy corn. I love candy corn. A lot of people hate it. I think it's awesome. Only between the weeks of... Only between the middle of October to the beginning of November. That's that's when it's ripe and tastes its best. Uh, every other time of the year, it's out of season and tastes very disgusting.
0: No, yeah, that's not a hot take. That's a <laughs> C- candy corn is legit.
1: I will say though too, my favorite type of candy corn is the one that's shaped like little pumpkins. I don't like the the triangular yeah. ones, but the pumpkin ones that have some meat. Uh, those are the best. Number
0: two- Those are are really attractive too. Like they have that little green (laughs) top. They really execute that well.
1: Yeah, it really makes you think about uh, factory candy production and and what's possibly going on in those facilities. (laughs) So number two, uh, white chocolate Hershey bars. These are in my mind a sleeper. They're usually found buried in the (laughs) checkout aisle of any grocery store. The, The box is always full. So people are not grabbing these things left and right. I have always loved them. They're the, like the the milky white chocolate bars with the little, like, crunchies, like the chocolate. Okay, I was about inside. to say, you yeah.
0: have, like, the cookies. It's like the, uh, yeah, the, the cookies. cookies and cream. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, and straight cream. white chocolate, that's a hot take. But with yeah, yeah. the crunchies, that's, that's appropriate.
1: And then the final one is the Snickers Minis, uh, but the dark chocolate kind. I, uh, yeah. I could eat, like, 400 of those in one sitting without a problem. Yeah. Uh, my number four... I'll say like the the right on the edge was uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, you know, you, you play the classics during Halloween. Uh, yeah. they always they always slap. So Reese's um, they barely made the cut. They barely didn't make the cut
0: In your heart, they did. Because they, they are they are more evergreen than the others. Yeah, so they're, like they're not I, like I, a Halloween candy.
1: Yeah, I'll indulge. I'll indulge in them every once in a while, like when you you That's know true. moments of weakness where I'm in the grocery store and I and I see that uh, obnoxious orange staring me in the face. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the other the other three are definitely more in the moment. Like I'm gonna eat that stuff only when it's Halloween as a little treat to myself.
0: For me, number three Twix. I love the just the different combinations of flavors and like sensations you get. It's got like that a little bit of like chewy caramel, the cookie, the chocolate, just the layers. It's are you it's are t- you
1: a left side Twix man or a right side Twix man?
0: You know, I have retired from Twix before that debate came up. <laughs> so in my days of eating, I never considered it. <laughs> Just, just to be totally honest, no, number two, Reese's Pieces. Oh. Couldn't leave those out. They're so good.
1: Come on, that's yeah, a bad, that's a bad take. No,
0: that's not. They're, a
1: too, bad they're take. too tough. Tough? Yeah, man, they're too like they make them too hard. I, the, the I'm M Ms. Yeah, I'm an M Ms. Guy. No,
0: yeah, Reese's Pieces are amazing. That's my number two, number one is Sour Patch. Don't care what time of year it is.
1: Mm. It's
0: for me. Sour Patch. I mean, gummy worms could have easily cracked the top three as well. But again, that's nah, just...
1: g- gummy worms make your stomach hurt too much if you eat too many of them.
0: And and there's only one way to eat them, which is to eat too many. Of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Sour Patch, which uh, are you because I remember in middle school, we all we all had our our preferred snacks. Like there were combos, hot fries. Uh, these are just these are such classic, uh, classic yeah. callbacks you was it the water you like the watermelon sour patch right Those no are,
0: i'm a, I'm a traditional um ah, the watermelon the watermelon are okay they're okay um i, I like the traditional ones the the, the rainbow of, uh, of flavors so
1: now here's the here's the big question did you eat any of your favorite halloween candy this year no i did yeah, not. Ne- neither did i i don't even know why this list exists in my mind <laughs> it's just taking up space <laughs>
0: Yeah, of course, dude. It's it's like it's nostalgia. It's like uh, when you don't eat them, but you think back to it. It's like giving yourself a warm glass of milk emotionally. I guess I can remember a time when I ate this and didn't think about the devastating consequences for my thirty-plus year old body.
1: When I was, uh, dude, yeah that that could, that reminds me when. So when we were swimming, we, for context for everyone, Kyle and I swam two miles a night in our peak. We were both very competitive than that. <laughs> yeah. 1600s
0: a mile. We used to do that for warm up.
1: That is true. So we're yeah. talking probably four to five miles a night uh, in our heyday between the ages of like 13 and 16. That was when we were really competing. And when I was when I was young, closer to the beginning of, of our swimming career, I also started going through puberty, right? You're 13 years old, you're starting to grow, you're you're thinning out, you're just burning calories left and right. Every night after swim practice, I would sit down at my computer, play Warcraft 3 online. This was the time of dial-up, so like that completely <laughs> walled off, that like completely shut down all communication in and out of our house cuz our phones were shut down because <laughs> I was playing online. So I would sit down and play this game for like three hours a night with 10 like jumbo sized oatmeal cookies. They were like this big each oh my and gosh. like two glasses of milk every single night. That's how many that's how many calories we were burning swimming that like this was a, a light snack to me and never crossed my mind that, hey, maybe this this could be bad for me <laughs> down the road. <laughs>
0: course why would you think that
1: <laughs> yeah and then i'd mix in some some uh, store brand oreos <laughs> every now and then <laughs> Uh be-
0: being being raised by an italian american family my standard diet was barely enough to uh be burned off in a swim practice pastas stews <laughs> whole something left over being shoved down your throat in, in a loving manner, I must say. Um, but uh, no I never consciously I was never a big disturbed guy. so like I never came home from practice and really craved that sugar. I was more of like a you know, give me that leftover chicken cutlet you know with 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 balsamic vinegar and like roasted peppers even at, even at age
1: thirteen. you <laughs> you're just you yeah. that's the most Italian thing you've ever said to me.
0: yeah, it's true. It's true. It's 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 like when I get my blood work done, I still expect the doctors to find traces of chicken cutlet,
1: <laughs> just floating around. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so everyone today, you know, what we all wanted to communicate, you know, what Fedja and I wanted to communicate to you as the audience was uh, about our philosophy here at Mentality Monsters and uh, each of our personal journeys that, that led us to the formation of this podcast. Um, we're certainly thankful for the, you know, guests and, and the listeners for the first couple episodes as they've really helped us um, and aided us in our journey and, in really ironing out, um, you know, what our philosophy is and, and what's going to carry us moving forwards. Veggie, I know you, uh, you have some thoughts on that as well.
1: I do. we, These first couple episodes, what Kyle and I wanted to do is get into a state of motion. When you think about doing something and start to plan out how that will be executed, there's oftentimes a lot of anxiety and nervousness around how things will go. You eliminate that anxiety and nervousness by moving, starting to just act in the direction you, you generally want to go in. And that's what we've been doing these past couple episodes. And we've learned a lot in the past month or so. What today is all about is taking a moment of pause, taking a step back, and saying, who are we? What, what are the pillars? What is the foundation that we're going to build our message and ideas around moving forward? And that's a really thought-provoking conversation and thing to, to contemplate. And this moment of pause is, is really important. There's a story that I, that I hear oftentimes in other media that I listen to. If you envision a SWAT team getting ready to breach a building. So if you picture in your mind, these guys all geared up, chaotically running towards the door. And then as they run towards the door, they line up in formation and they, and they take a really uh, brief second of stillness before the chaos begins again. And they smash that door open and they rush into that building to take out the target or to save the hostage or whatever it is. That little moment of pause is a moment where that team can freeze and think through all the things that they need to do once the chaos begins again and i view this episode as a moment of pause for you and i to freeze contemplate what we're talking about what we're doing and then jump right back into that chaotic action with a new purpose and uh, more a reinvigoration of who we are and what we want to accomplish
0: yeah, and we're doing it in the uh, in the forefront, right? It, where the audience can hear and see because it's important to understand why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Yeah, and it's right. and it's also interesting to see our process and hopefully what we have done can be applied to things that you're doing. This is something that you know, Kyle and I have been talking about this for two weeks now working off of a google document where we're going back and forth commenting on each other's notes thinking through every single word that we're writing on that piece of paper and what the implications of that word are uh, it's it's a long it's a long process and it's it takes a lot of energy and and commitment however the results are always more beneficial than the amount of energy that you have to put in because now we have a clear sense of purpose and direction and and where we want to go, which we're going to share with you, as Kyle said.
0: Yeah. So speaking of the two-week time frame, it's uh, it's October twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-one, and uh, I'm out in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, with my fiance Alex. And uh, as an East Coast guy, my whole life, uh, I in- really enjoyed immersing myself in this new environment. Um, you know, so noticeably absent were uh the dark brown tree trunks flowing up into the green tree tops that are native to the east coast that end with the the threshold of the blue sky felt like my eyes were as wide as golf balls out there for 5 days as i scanned the the stark contrast of these jagged red rocks clashing directly with that same blue sky felt like a house cat in a new apartment you know you see him there on high alert snooping around every corner as it subconsciously works to normalize its its new environment. So, oftentimes we hear athletes talk about uh, having a new renewed appreciation for the game that they play after switching teams. Right, their whole attention has been reoriented back to the game. They view the game in a different way. So, this is really when when Fedja and I started conversing about, um, you know, the topic and and you know who we are here, at mentality monsters. So the great thing about finding yourself in such a state of mind is that it pulls you away from the cycle of stimuli you may be used to, including, you know, frequent phone and email check-ins throughout the day. So, at any rate, it was, the 24th was a Sunday. I found myself at this outdoor mall in Scottsdale enjoying lunch with Alex at a restaurant, serving locally sourced food, and I pan over and I see an Amazon bookstore uh, for the second time since I uh, went on this trip out to Arizona. So I I wandered in the Amazon bookstore under the the misguided impression that I didn't quite know what I was looking for. uh, When I see the personal development section of the store pop up, at that point, my mission became clear. I started perusing the section, and, and what stuck out to me was the number of books designed to support what appeared like people's development of discipline. So I picked a few up and flipped through the pages, uh, some of the less familiar ones. And I'm convinced that the goal of these books is to help people solve laziness, which at first seems sensible. People are lazy as hell. However, from personal experience, I know that the development of discipline on its own will fall short of assisting people in overcoming Uh, the unrest that they have in their person, um, the unrest they have in in their soul, right? Someone can be the most disciplined person on earth and still feel chronically unworthy, depressed, uh, incapable of expressing oneself, lost, stuck, frustrated, or alone. In fact, Being disciplined, I would argue, can even beget deeper and more severe manifestations of those feelings. I strongly believe that discipline grants us access to our own instincts. And you see, that's how I personally uncovered, or better yet, ignited uh, my flame to be a guiding voice for people um, and to launch this podcast. It was almost exactly nine years and three months ago Um, retro to this trip to Arizona. It was July of uh, 2012. I was on my red, white, and black Cannondale Slice time trial bike in the Hudson Valley, New York, New Jersey state line area. Route 9W, again, it was the state line between New York and New Jersey. Found myself training for an upcoming Ironman triathlon. And Ironman is a free new identity, right? You get to call yourself an Ironman for the rest of your life. Uh, in fact, this was something I repeated to myself um, daily, uh, even hourly during training, vividly visualizing the moment that I would cross that line. Um, and that prospect is is what attracts so many to this 140 plus mile gauntlet. Uh, the route that I was on there in the Hudson Valley is a popular cycling route locally for folks in New York and New Jersey. Um, And also nationally. Um, If you've ever driven on that road, it stands to reason. That East Coast uh, panoramic image that I painted just a few minutes ago is as vivid and powerful as ever along that route. With the tall trees and stunning blue skies along the waterfront of the Hudson, it's among the most beautiful places in America. In fact, there's this little cafe um, right after the state line between New York and New Jersey headed north. Uh, with fantastic coffee and an amazing tuna sandwich, which could revive me on the most draining summer day on the bike.
1: If I'm it, if I'm thinking about the cafe that you're talking about, uh, this is also the worst cafe to drive past if you're ever driving in that area because it's always yes. flooded with cyclists. <laughs>
0: yep, one hundred percent. That 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 tuna sandwich—it's like a sensu bean for you Dragon Ball Z enthusiasts out there. That thing could revive me from the most drained states. So it's it's uh it's late July 2012. I'm on this bike and I'm coming back from a trip all the way from New Jersey to Bear Mountain, New York. The full ride would amount to about 87 miles, and I'm in the final seven to eight miles this point my black cycling shorts have a, a a white crust coating on them from all the salt that my body pushed out of my pores over the last five and a half hours and i'm attacking this last till pretending to be pro cyclist named peter Sagan, um, slovakian guy's got a great personality famous tour de france rider he, he's just a very interesting and, and fascinating guy that at the time i He's my favorite athlete, and I like to pretend to be him when I was on the bike. These training rides always left me drained, not only physically, also emotionally. And and what I found was that the race, the event, the Ironman itself uh, offered a similar result. There's a picture of me crossing the finish line um, where my head was down, actually. I was looking at the ground, Uh, and it took me some time close to a decade um, to wrap my mind around why this was all such an empty experience for me. And that's because the motivating message that fueled this endeavor was that I was not good enough. And I was using the training and the event and this gargantuan task that the Ironman was to prove that I was good enough. I dug this hole and I built this monument with a, with a shovel of, self-deprecation. And at the bottom of that hole, I found was my own reflection. And I got the privilege of sitting with that truth for so long before realizing that I encountered it so early in life for the purpose of helping other people identify and overcome it. And, And when I say it, it's the usage of a negative voice to motivate yourself. The usage of that self-deprecating voice to get through the day uh, you know each and every day so um you know why tell this story and and why share this story now um uh, because it helped us evolve and establish the philosophy for mentality monsters here at mentality monsters we are stress resilient satisfied people we believe that satisfaction equals liking minus wanting when you like doing something minus having that constant yearning for the result. And frustration equals talent minus belief in yourself. We also believe that self-belief and the wanting can both be addressed by having a strong, well-practiced inner voice. We also believe an inside-out approach to living a satisfied life and an achievement-driven life. Address the mind, the heart, the body, and the external results take care of themselves. The outside is your actions and your reactions to the circumstances around you. An identity, the word identity, is one that is center to all that we do. And I know the Fedra has, has done quite a lot of work in, you know, helping Simplify, and you know, shed a light on what identity actually is, so that we can help our listeners develop that, uh, because that's that's at the center of becoming stress resilient and satisfied.
1: That was beautifully put. That story is. I, I knew I knew Kyle when he was training for the Ironman, and I, I wish I could. Accurately convey the physical transformation that he went through as he was doing this, and you know, Lord only knows the mental transformation. Um, yeah, it was it was a grueling it was a grueling thing to even to even observe from from afar. And I think that there are a lot of things that you unpack that tie into that idea of identity. I want to I want to go back to that and and touch on some of those things. You mentioned you walked into the bookstore in Arizona and you saw all of these outcome, outcome outcome-based books. I have a, my idea of why all of these, all of these books are focused on outcomes. And as you said, addressing laziness and, and getting people to act is because the outcome is the thing that we see and whenever people in general, want to make a change in life, they first mimic and then they innovate. You, in your story about your Ironman training, you were mimicking a professional cyclist that you admired. So yeah,
0: and I and I followed uh, you know people and training plans that I thought could get me the result. Right, yeah. I thought you know that would get me across that line. Um, and then it, it's common that you hear from you know mentors, bosses, managers, teachers, oh it's all about the journey because because they know once you've achieved the end, it's it's who you become in the process.
1: And the the fundamental thing about this is that who you become in the process and what what transformation you make when you cross that finish line, it's difficult to contextualize for people and to, crystallize for people. That's why all of these books are are outcome-based and outcome-driven is because A, outcomes are something tangible that we can not only envision for ourselves, but see all around us. We can find examples of people to mimic left and right. The other thing too is outcomes are way easier to sell. Who's going to buy a book that's on a shelf that says, hey, spend the next three months digging into your identity and understanding who you are as a person so you can express that to the world through the things you say and do
0: yeah and the reason that you know this was uh, a frustrating frustrating observation you know the the outcome driven nature of, of so much of the you know self-development world is because oh i've done the outcomes and, and that didn't didn't serve living a more satisfied life um and so it, it, knowing that i was like you know this is on the surface, a little misleading, um, you know, to to believe that you know uh, achieving these outcomes is going to help you again live a more satisfied and, and and life and be more stress
1: resilient. And a lot of what you're saying about these outcomes not creating the satisfaction that you think you want is tied into fulfillment. The idea of fulfillment. When I was interviewing for a new job, I constantly kept getting asked, "What am I looking for in my next opportunity?" And I always thought that my answer was funny, because what I was saying to the recruiters that I was talking to, and the people that I was interviewing with was, what I want out of my next opportunity is a sense of fulfillment, a sense of satisfaction and purpose in the things I'm doing day to day, because I had achieved everything on a tactical and outcome driven level, I'd been promoted, I'd, I'd earned more money, I'd I'd done these things that are supposed to give you happiness, but never do. So in this new phase of my life, fulfillment is the number one thing that I want. And I have the luxury to think that way, but I am making sure that I think that way. So it's yeah. a very important thing.
0: And, and let's look at you know the, the achievement of getting a new job is a junction in many people's lives where they, they feel happy. And I have a theory that it's not because they have some sort of pattern interruption or got a new job, right? Achieve something. It's because in the process of getting there, they became really well-practiced at answering the question of who they are and what they do. You're asked that repeatedly, and because you have clarity on that, you're happy and satisfied.
1: That is a great point. That is an excellent point. When I uh, think back to how I was interviewing and my preparation for all of my interviews, that was a major component of the story that I structure around who I am, and then the sales pitch that I created to share with others, to convince them that who I am is the right fit for their company and their team. All of this being said, this, the simplification that Kyle was referring to before we dove into all of these details is that your identity in my mind boils down to your core values, your core beliefs, the ways that you want to live your life and express yourself on a day to day basis. And those core values and those core beliefs, when you express and behave in a way that aligns with those values, so when you build your processes, when you mold your environment to align with those values and beliefs, you generate outcomes that also align with those values and beliefs. And that gives you that sense of fulfillment that makes those outcomes feel full. I'll give you one quick example about something I do in my personal life. I've talked about the fact that I do intermittent fasting. I started fasting every day when I was 25. I started at 13 13 to 14 hours per day. Right now, I have an app on my phone that tracks. I'm currently at 17 hours fasting. Yesterday, I fasted for almost 22 and I hit around 20 to 22 hours per day now because I've gotten so into the habit and the routine. Something like intermittent fasting is a classic example of a habit or a process or a routine that can become mechanical. However, I still to this day get extreme satisfaction from my ability to execute my fasting at such a at such a high degree that i have like over a year and a half of consecutive fasts that i've logged in this app the reason i'm able to continue to get fulfillment from that from that act is because that fasting to me is associated with my core value of maximizing my health span i want to be as capable throughout my entire life as possible of uh sustaining myself being active, you know, I want to be ninety years old and able to walk a mile without a problem, and so I I associate that fasting with that with that uh, core value and core belief and core component of my identity.
0: Yeah. What's interesting. Uh, what's interesting too is you were doing that pursuant to that long term goal, and you got a lot of short term benefits that a lot of people yeah want right like. You know, weight loss or or like good body composition. um, Stomach problems.
1: A lot of stomach problems went away.
0: Yep. So, pursuant to a a super long-term, well-defined, you know, uh, goal and vision, you became comfortable with the processes necessary to to achieve that, and short-term results presented themselves. You know, we'll say perhaps, you know, longer than. A short-term program would advertise. I mean, these probably started to surface at the six-month to a year mark, and, and yeah. most things would say like you know somewhere between twenty-one and ninety days you could see you can see changes. Um, so yeah, it, it's amazing how much time uh, time plays into our ability to be satisfied. And if I, I want to take you what you just said and go back to the exi- the phrase um, that I ended my my opening with there that satisfaction is liking minus wanting so you like the process of fasting without wanting any specific thing out of it and yeah. that births satisfaction
1: the final thing that i want to call back to because there was a lot of gold in your story that i want to unpack you made the statement that discipline unlocks instincts yeah and i love that i love that phrase on so many levels I'm going to use the fasting as, an, as another example because it's relevant and it's easy. When I initially started, I had to be very disciplined. That's why I got the app that I, do, that I use. That's why I eliminated a lot of different types of foods like carbs and sugars and things like that. I was really ironclad in my discipline and the boundaries that I set around that idea of fasting around the two to three year mark of consistent practice i started to unlock that instinct that you referred to mm-hmm. which now all of a sudden i'm able to skip two or three days of fasting and go right back to it without a problem and this isn't this is important to me because the instinct that i've unlocked allows me to do things like enjoy friday night dinners with my fiance. i don't eat dinner any other day of the week but that friday becomes a sacred night for us and i break and bend the rules to accommodate other elements of my life that are important to my identity like my identity as a family man and so that instinct is 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 really the liberation that you get when your liking minus your wanting reaches that beautiful balance point and you really start to love the process without wanting anything from it you start to live presently in the moment and actually enjoy what you're doing. You enter that state of flow, and that propels you to the state of fulfillment that feeds your identity. That then positively feeds all of the things that you're doing to express it.
0: Yeah, well said. And I think there's a danger to ignoring the instinctive piece. You know, once you have discipline, because you know, training for an Ironman does take discipline, and in the subsequent years, I continued. To, you know, put my body through different crucibles, you know, knowing the taxing, you know, nature of it and ended up with, you know, three back injuries, um, you know, different forms of, you know, uh, stress, burnout, you know, chronic illnesses that uh, affected my body because I ignored the instinct to take a break. Um, You know, I would earned the ability to do that and, you know, didn't listen to it didn't listen to that voice, Um, and and that's why it really took me, you know, to the point of 10 years after starting this journey to to realize the voices that were, uh, the danger of the voices that were informing me of of what to do uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I I started to think a lot about the show The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which if anyone's seen it, it it, uh, features a Fictional character named uh, Beth Harmon, who comes from a broken home, um, you know, uh, alcoholic father who ultimately leaves her. And then she discovers chess as a sort of an outlet for herself. And at the time in the 1950s, it's not uh, in vogue for women to play chess. So she has a very negative motivational voice in her head that she wants to prove that she's good enough through playing chess and she makes it very far. And a lot of people gravitate to her because of the success that she has, but she drives them away because of her mentality. Like, you know, they don't wanna be her friend anymore because she's so so, uh, negative, right? Like she's doing this from a platform of self-hate and nobody wants to be around her anymore. And so I had to go through that journey for myself. Um, you know, to realize the pain of ignoring your instincts and the pain of uh, ignoring the path to satisfaction. You can be as disciplined as you want. If you don't like what you do, and if you're constantly wanting, 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 you'll never be satisfied. And so enough time compiled, ignoring that, uh, you know, led me to to where i am today and i think that this is so pervasive and so common that uh, you know F- Fedja and i are here to to really help aid this mentality not only in ourselves and in our contemporaries but also in the next generation
1: it's about building a mentality and a mindset that we believe empowers us to be who we want to be and then manifesting that mentality in the actions that we do and the processes that we build to support those actions and outcomes. That's, that's what it boils down to in my mind. And as Kyle said, uh, Kyle, why don't you repeat that, that, I, that who we are piece that you said that was um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think you have it right in front of you.
0: Yeah. the Who we are, are we're stress resilient, and satisfied people. Right. I, I believe, I mean, look at the world around us. Shit. You know, the the, the, the inputs that are going into our brains that are that are stressful are only going up over time. That is not going to change. So the key to being satisfied is to be stress resilient. And being satisfied equals liking minus wanting. That's when you like what you do day to day, minute to minute, without con- constantly yearning for a specific result out of it. You know, you see this with a lot of, uh, you know, self-help or fitness programs. that are just advertising this outcome, and people get frustrated because they don't like the process. They don't like, you know, going to the gym and sweating and, and all this different stuff. So, well, you know what? That's okay. You know, you, you don't deserve to be judged for that. Maybe you like Pilates better. Maybe you like going for four walks a day better. Maybe lifting weights isn't for you, but because you're focused on the result, you have that wanting. And, and the frustration equals talent minus belief. So frustration is born when you're you're good at something, but you don't believe in yourself. So taking that inside out approach, addressing your mind, heart, and body so that you can build your belief and subtract that wanting, you can be satisfied and we want to systemize this. We want to systemize this for our listeners and we want to systemize this for the next generation because, you know, frankly, you know, Fedja referenced us swimming, you know, when we were younger, our our coaches didn't have the tools to help us grow in that way, right? Our environment molded us to the point where, you know, we were only motivated by results and we were only motivated, um, you know, through a platform of you're not good enough, compare yourself to others right Global thinking categorizes depression okay Jordan Peterson said that so when you're when you're having a global thinking you're not thinking about how you developed as a swimmer over the course of the last two three weeks of practice you're comparing yourself to the other kid at the meet you know who swam twice as fast as you. So those tools were absent uh, from for our predecessors and that's something that we're out to solve
1: that is about as good as any place to wrap up for today peak end effect look it up if you like the podcast please subscribe uh, like add comments that helps us grow our following Uh, thank you guys so much for listening we had a blast going through this episode i hope it was as enlightening to you as it was for us thank you so much